You're listening to the Biblicist Podcast, designed to equip, challenge, and encourage believers to look at life through the lens of Scripture. If you have any questions about today's episode or have a topic you would like to hear on this podcast, please email us at thebiblicistpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back. We're heading to the second part of Romans 9 today, and I really enjoy this chapter and looking forward to uh, going through some more of that today with you guys. And um, I'm also excited to say that um, I'm, I'm going to reveal today um, what the prize is for those that uh, win the Biblicist podcast quiz um, today. I'm going to announce uh, what the prize is uh, for winning that. And we do have someone that's legitimately in the lead. Um, and there's some of you that haven't participated yet. And that's okay. But you know, um, there's still a chance for you to participate and uh, and compete uh, in uh, in this quiz. And it's also just a great way to stretch uh, your knowledge of Scripture um, and to... Uh, uh, to grow in that and to know where things are in the Bible, um, even if you don't care about the prize, and that's fine. But uh, the prize uh, that I uh, am going to be giving out for the person who wins uh, the Business Podcast Quiz is actually two things. Um, and uh, one of those things is going to be um, a, a book. And I have a couple different books in mind um, that I think will be a big blessing. And so I'm going to give out a book. Um, and I haven't quite narrowed that down uh, to which one yet, but I have a couple in mind. Um, and then the other is a very unique, one-of-a-kind, <laughs> Biblicist podcast t-shirt that says, you probably already guessed it, that says, check the source on it. A Biblicist podcast t-shirt that says, check the source on it. So whenever I find out who wins, I'll inform you that you have won. Uh, you can let me know uh, what uh, shirt size uh, you are, and I can send you your very own Biblicist podcast, check the source uh, t-shirt. I'm excited about that. Um, and I ordered a couple of samples, and they turned out uh, really great. Um, and I'm excited to be able to get that to you, the winner whoever that may be, along with uh, with a book, which I'm excited to share with you guys as well. Um, so we're back in Romans 9. Romans 9, and we uh, left off right here at the beginning still, um, starting uh, in verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And we'll pause right there. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. Let's be clear about this. God, God's promises have not fallen short. He has not failed. Every promise God has ever made, he has either fulfilled or will fulfill. There is no failed promises of God. And at this point, uh, a majority of Israel is in objection to this verse 5, which is Christ came. 
their, their, their objection to this is that we're descendants of Abraham. We've been serving God and the law and been faithful to the traditions of those who have gone on before. If Jesus was the Messiah and we didn't recognize him and, and, and the new kingdom isn't set up yet, then God failed. Then God failed. If we, 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 didn't, we didn't recognize it, we didn't see it, the, the kingdom isn't here, then if, if he was the Messiah, then he failed. They would object to this strongly. That's why he says that it's not like God's word has taken none effect. His, his promise hasn't failed. You see, but they, they missed it. They missed who Jesus was. And why is that? In fact, the end of Romans 9 tells us why. In verse 30, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained a righteousness? Even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness? Wherefore? How come? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed." They didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't recognize that Christ had come because they had no faith. He goes on to say that they're not all Israel, which are of Israel. And in the next part of of Romans, we're going to break down the examples he gives of that, where they see God's divine hand at work, and he uses Old Testament examples that the Jews are not going to argue against to make his point. And it's really powerful, and we're going to get to that, but probably not today. He's going to make the very logical point here in a minute, but he's also making a spirit, he's using it to make a spiritual application, the spiritual truth here. Because if they were true Israel, they would have had faith like Abraham had. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, here's what it says. In verse 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. They're not not all Israel which are of Israel. They didn't have the same faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They lacked that faith. But they, they wanted to, they wanted to, and, and some and, and continue to want to hold on to these things. Their, their heritage. Well, well, we're we have our forefathers. They want to hold on to their service. We're faithful in doing religious practices given by God, or or they hold on to tradition of, of faithful in the things passed down from generation to generation. Where's the faith? There's no faith. It's all about heritage and works and, and tradition. Well, the, the, the heritage, those forefathers were the ones that had faith, and it was the faith that changed their lives. 
So what does this mean for us as believers today? I think this is very important. We're once again going to look at those three things, heritage, service, and tradition. A believer's heritage. So your your pastors or Christian leaders can be and should be a blessing and are important according to Scripture. But your identity should be in Jesus, not your pastor. So many people have given up on Jesus, given up on the church, given up on their faith because of Christian leaders who have either walked away from their faith or have done horrendous, horrible things. And I'll be the first one to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that people that you should have been able to trust broke that trust. But they aren't Jesus. They never were. And if you walk away from your faith, if you walk away from Jesus, you're walking away from the one who actually loves you. The one that actually will never walk away. The the one who actually loves you. So don't put your faith in heritage or in Christian leaders. They will let you down. But a believer's service. You see, we we should be willing and ready to serve the local church, right? And to reach out into our community. I agree. But remember, your identity should be in Jesus, not the things you do for him. This is really important, and I've struggled with this. Yes, we are called to live a life of action. Our our faith leads us to works. We know this. We recognize this. But sometimes we want to place our identity and who we are by the actions that we do instead of the action that Jesus has done. We need to live gospel-centered lives, recognizing that we are who we are because of the grace of God. We are who we are because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's our identity. Service is important. Service is good. But your identity is found in what he has done for you, not what you do for him. And tradition. You see, it's good and right to be organized and to have a plan of action. It's good to know what time Sunday service starts. (laughs) But remember, your identity should be in Jesus and not the traditions that we develop or pass down. You see, this community that's rejected Christ, they rejected him on the grounds of their heritage, their service, their tradition. That's what they needed. And sometimes what I see in the church today is... They'll lift up these Christian leaders. They'll lift up all these things they've done for God. They'll, they'll lift up all these wonderful traditions that they've passed down and, and forget that it's all about Jesus. Those Christian leaders and Christian people in our lives that have done great things, it's because of Jesus in their lives. The things that we're doing to impact lives and, and, and to proclaim the gospel, those things aren't amazing because we're doing them. We're doing them because Jesus has done this change in our lives. And and, and the traditions that we hold, the reason we have services at a a certain time, it could be for various different reasons or things that we pass down. And we need to recognize the difference between traditions and doctrine. 
and realize those are just traditions. Good or bad, we have traditions. But the reason that we gather together on a Sunday service and sometimes our traditions look a little bit differently, the reason we're gathering is because of Jesus. Our identity needs to be wrapped up in him and not heritage, service, and tradition. Otherwise, just as Israel missed Jesus coming, we'll miss out on Jesus in the church. Make no mistake of that. Now, this is also obviously applicable to unbelievers as it was to the unbelieving Jews. Because an unbeliever might say, you know, I have godly parents, their heritage. You might, I, I attended a Bible-believing church, but you, but, but you get saved through Jesus, not your heritage. You can say it about service. You might sign up for every volunteer ministry opportunity or, or give to the poor, or, or, but you don't get saved by works. You get saved by the finished work of Jesus. Someone might say, well, I attended every service and I have all the songs memorized and I attend all the Bible studies, but you don't become a Christian by following traditions. You become a Christian by grace through faith in Jesus. Heritage, service, tradition. These are all good things. They're wonderful things. But none of them can save you. Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can save you. Through faith. Don't be in the church and live by all these things and have no faith. Having a form of godliness, but, but denying the power thereof. If you're an unbeliever, maybe you're even in the church or listening to this podcast, but you think you're a Christian because of who your parents were, or you think you're a Christian because of the things that you've done, or you think you're a Christian because of your attendance to church, your adherence to pass down traditions, then you need to repent because you're mistaken because it's Christ alone that can save and it's personal and it's between you and him. Let's rely on God's promises, the promises that we have in Jesus and not in our misplaced identity. Today's question, and I really should have had a reference for this. So good luck finding this. The name of Deborah, the prophetess's husband. What is the name of Deborah, the prophetess's husband? And like I said, the prize for this, a book, I'm nailing down which of two books I want to be this prize, and a Check the Source t-shirt. Thank you guys so much. God bless.